0: Could we be seeing signs of China changing its strict stance on video games? For November 18th, 2022, this is Let's Play Daily Gaming News. Hey, what's going on? My name's Nate Bender, and welcome to Let's Play, a Daily Gaming News podcast where we run down everything you need to know from the gaming world in about five minutes. Coming up, Blizzard games will no longer be available in China thanks to some jerk. Embracer Group is continuing its cuts and we'll check out the week that was in video game news with the Friday replay. The Chinese gaming industry is seeing a huge resurgence. This is due to a recent editorial published by the state run People's Daily newspaper. The editorial argued that video games might actually have value, who would have thought, and that China should dedicate more attention to developing its video game industry. This new stance potentially signals that the Chinese government might be changing its hostile attitude towards video games. The stock market also took the news favorably, with most major Chinese video game companies' stocks raising between 3 and 10 percent. While the editorial might be pointing towards a more relaxed Chinese government, the reasons for that are more strategic. The editorial breaks down many reasons why, but a major one is that the video game industry is becoming a key and vital source of cultural soft power, and relaxing regulations would allow the Chinese gaming industry to compete against its Western counterparts, essentially using the video game industry as a way to win over hard and minds, also known as propaganda, similar to the way that the United States and the USSR used the film industry during the Cold War. However, the Chinese government is probably not going to fully liberalize their gaming industry. The editorial still echoed a warning about gaming addiction and called for stricter regulations on the amount of time a child can play a video game. Continuing on with more news coming out of the Chinese gaming industry, NetEase is ending a majority of its partnership with Activision Blizzard, meaning games like Overwatch 2, Diablo 3, World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Hearthstone, and Heroes of the Storm will not be available in China. The partnership officially ends on January 23, 2023. NetEase announced that it would continue to provide updates and service for those games up until January 23rd. So Chinese players can still buy the Overwatch 2 Battle Pass and upcoming World of Warcraft expansion Dragonflight, but can only enjoy them for two months without having to cross the Great Chinese Firewall. NetEase is still going to support Diablo Immortal for a number of years since Diablo Immortal is part of a different contract. NetEase's CEO William Ding issued a statement on ending their partnership with Blizzard, which reads, "...we have put a great deal of effort and tried with our utmost sincerity to negotiate with Activision Blizzard so that we could continue our collaboration and serve the many dedicated players in China. However, there were material differences on key terms and we could not reach an agreement." NetEase's president of global investment and partnerships, Simon Zhu, went on LinkedIn to vent his frustrations with the failed agreement, writing, quote, As a gamer who spent tens of thousands of hours in the world of Azeroth, StarCraft, and Overwatch, I feel so heartbroken as I will no longer have access to my account and memories next year. One day, when what has happened behind the scenes could be told, developers and gamers will have a whole new level of understanding for how much damage a jerk can make. Zhu really leaves us with a cliffhanger, leaving us all to speculate who the jerk really was. Which honestly could be a number of executives at Activision Blizzard. But overall, this is huge that games like Overwatch 2 and World of Warcraft are just being shelved in China. China is one of the largest consumers of video games, despite their strict regulations and ongoing COVID lockdowns. The Chinese gaming industry still made $46 billion in revenue last year. This also means that Blizzard loses millions of World of Warcraft subscribers and Overwatch 2 players in an instant, losing hundreds of millions of dollars, all due to one unnamed jerk. Embracer Group is continuing its house cleaning of its video game studios. Alongside the quarter two earnings call, Embracer CEO Lars Winchfors announced that Volition will become part of Gearbox Entertainment. For those that don't know, Deep Silver Volition developed the recently released Saints Row reboot. The reboot took a more realistic approach as opposed to the insanity the Saints Row franchise is known for, which split the fan base and led to very mixed reviews. The Saints Row reboot also launched as a buggy mess, which honestly led to more negative reviews. Though Volition finally did release a new patch earlier this week, addressing a lot of the problems the reboot had. Winch also announced that the Saints Row reboot performed well financially and met expectations, but decided that Volition needed a better management team after the polarizing reception of the reboot. Winchfors ended his announcement with, quote, This is the first internal group transfer where we transfer a major studio between operative groups, but it is not necessarily the last, meaning we'll probably see more internal consolidation and potentially layoffs at Embracer Group in the future. Right, it's Friday, and this is normally where we read some podcast reviews, but we don't have any this week, so head on out to Apple Podcasts, Audible, Podcast Addict, or CastBox, and leave us a new review. We'll read it here on Fridays before the Friday Replay. Alright, like I said, it's Friday, so let's check out some of the biggest stories from this week in gaming with the Friday Replay. DOOM composer Mick Gordon came out over the weekend to accuse DOOM ETERNALS executive producer Marty Stratton of lying for years. Back in 2019, Stratton posted to Reddit about the delays in the official soundtrack that was supposed to release with the collector's edition of Doom Eternal. Stratton posted, quote, "...some have suggested that we've been careless with or disrespectful of the game music. Others have speculated that Mick wasn't given the time or creative freedom to deliver something different or better. The fact is, none of that is true." Gordon refuted Stratton's statement by saying, quote, I received the contract 48 hours before the game was released. By then, it had taken over nine months for it to materialize. Marty claims I demanded several extensions to the schedule, forcing him to delay the soundtrack. But the truth is, I wasn't under contract until after the delay. Gordon also came with receipts, showing a screenshot of an email between himself and Bethesda depicting that Gordon wasn't under contract until March 18, 2020. Bethesda had already announced the delay in Doom Eternal soundtrack on March 11th. Gordon also spills the tea about the lawsuit against ZeniMax. After this contract information was revealed in court, ZeniMax offered Gordon a six-figure settlement that was contingent on Stratton's Reddit post from 2019 staying up. The settlement was also contingent on Gordon's silence about the situation. However, Gordon decided to go public with the information. Not only because Stratton's Reddit post pushed fans to harass and threaten Gordon's life, and still do to this day, but because Bethesda hadn't paid Gordon for half of the music in Doom Eternal. Overall, I feel for Gordon being thrown under the bus here, but I have to wonder if him being public about the Doom Eternal soundtrack problems will cause Bethesda or ZeniMax to reopen litigation against Gordon. Senior media executive Sharon Tal Yagato, the woman who built successful studio divisions at Amazon and Fox and worked with AMC on The Walking Dead and was an integral part of bringing the boys and the Lord of the Rings Rings of Power to Amazon, with all of her success in TV, Yagato is setting her sights on gaming. She announced yesterday the creation of her new video game studio, Astrid Entertainment. Astrid released a statement on the game concept they're working on first, which reads, quote, Astrid is building its first fantastical interactive world, grounded in rich war, environmental world building, and system design to encourage the emergence of multiplayer stories. Players will evolve worlds differently based on their actions and choices. They will get to explore the world and go on adventures, meet its fascinating characters, learn new skills, collect and share resources, all whilst building new bonds that grow and evolve over time. Which sounds a lot like an MMORPG, but to be fair, it could also be a metaverse activation. Yagato also commented on the reason she started a game studio, saying, quote, We are seeing a new generation that wants something different. They enjoy walking into evocative worlds that give them freedom, let them hang out with their friends, explore, discover, and create their own stories. Overall this is an interesting jump for a senior media executive like Yagato to make, especially when you figure she has major connections to pull within the TV and comic book industries. It'll be exciting to see what Astrid Entertainment is making over the next couple of years. Microsoft earlier this week published their inaugural Xbox Transparency Report. The Xbox Transparency Report is to highlight the steps that Microsoft is taking to moderate the Xbox platform, which is something I haven't seen a game company do recently. According to Microsoft, 7.13 million accounts had some kind of action taken on them from the first of the year to June 30th. 34% of the 7.13 million actioned accounts had their accounts suspended and content removed. Account-only suspensions made up 63% of the total and 3% of all actions were just content removals. Microsoft also gave a detailed breakdown of how many accounts broke specific policies, with 4.33 million accounts suspended for cheating, 200,000 for adult sexual content, 87,000 for fraud, 54,000 for harassment or bullying, 46,000 for profanity, and 23,000 for other. Other includes a bunch of TOS violations, like piracy, vulgar content, and surprisingly, hate speech. Which seeing hate speech so low on this list is kind of shocking, given how prevalent bigotry is in online gaming. Microsoft also received 33.08 million player reports, which only accounted for a third of the total enforcement on accounts. The other two-thirds were caught by Microsoft's proactive detection system. Overall, this is a great way to show everyone just how you're moderating your gaming platform, though I am suspicious of how low the hate speech figure is. While the International Olympic Committee hasn't added esports to the official Olympics yet, last year the IOC kicked off the Virtual Olympic Series, which saw 250,000 participants from 100 countries compete in various virtual sports, including baseball, cycling, racing, rowing, and sailing. Which brings us to yesterday, where the IOC announced the Olympic Esports Week. The Olympic Esports Week will be held in Singapore and will run from June 22nd to June 25th. This will also be the Olympics' first in-person esports event. IOC President Thomas Bach commented on the Olympic Esports Week, saying, quote, The first Olympic Esports Week marks an important milestone in our ambition to support the growth of virtual sports within the Olympic movement. We believe the exciting new format of our virtual sports competition, with live finals to be staged for the first time, is an opportunity to collaborate further with esports players and to create new opportunities for players and fans alike. Overall, this announcement is awesome because it pushes esports into the mainstream, though the International Olympic Committee is focusing only on virtual sports for competition, like Zwift, a cycling simulation game that's controlled by a stationary bike. I have to wonder how successful the Olympics venture is going to be into esports, especially when they're excluding most of the traditional esports professionals. It'll be fascinating to see if Olympic esports can capture an audience and grow without traditional esports. All right, well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Let's Play. Make sure you subscribe so you can come back on Monday for even more video game news. Follow us on TikTok at Let's Play Gaming News and leave us a podcast review on Apple Podcasts Audible, Podcast Addict, and Castbox. Story selection and writing by Aaron Pillen. You can follow him on Twitter at Lloyd underscore RNG. You can follow me on Twitter at Nate Benderama and catch me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv/slash limit break radio. My name's Nate Bender. Keep listening.